0: listening to Fox Sports
1: Radio. Radio. I think we got to look at Tampa Bay evening the series what it means for the World Series.
2: Yeah, and it was the Rays last night a 6-4 win over the LA Dodgers. Game 3 coming up on Friday night, but right now the World Series tied at one game apiece.
1: So, Fez, as a pro batter, what did you see?
0: I think the deeper we go in this series, the more it benefits Tampa Bay. I spoke about how the Dodgers have been playing in this field in Arlington the last two playoff series. So, I think the Dodgers had an edge game one. And I think that 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 edge is going to mitigate as we move forward in the series. So, uh, I would look towards Tampa Bay the deeper we go in the series.
1: Okay. So, the theory is Dodgers are familiar with the place. First game, Tampa Bay is not familiar at all. After the first game, they got a game to get familiar, but still Dodgers are more familiar. In every game that passes, that edge becomes less. Yes. Okay. Matty Holt, what do you think?
3: Don't, don't we think that they uh, maybe undervalued the stadium's effect on the totals? We've seen both games so far fly over the totals. This stadium, historically, has been a launching pad. You know, the Rangers have always given up a ton of runs in, down there, and, and we're seeing it so far both games over, the first game way over. Yeah, and that roof is open, and that's a huge deal. When the roof closes and you get the air
0: conditioning, then the ball doesn't carry as well. With that roof open, absolutely encourages scoring and more
1: homers. Okay, but... My basic assumption is that the betting market is not stupid, that usually if I feel like, oh, there's something obvious and it's not being accounted for, chances are there's some reason it's not being accounted for. Maddie, you've booked literally billions of dollars in your prior life as a bookmaker. Now, integrity, usintegrity.com, it's a pretty good name don't you think that you're saying, oh, it's not being accounted for. You think everyone's missing it? No,
3: but I also think to start this NFL season, we saw that the books were slow to adjust to the to higher scoring we're seeing due to less penalties and less holding calls. And, and we saw this massive influx of games going over. I think maybe they might be a bit slow to adjust here. The expectations was there'd be about 14.5 to 15 runs scored, 20 runs, 21
1: runs scored so far through the two games. And there's two. Okay, so really what you're saying is And this makes a ton of sense. We're straight out of Vegas. Bookmakers are a certain breed and they have certain experiences. And one of the experiences they've had is the public thinking, oh my gosh, this umpire has gone over five straight games. He must be an over umpire. And someone else saying, Alabama in the first half has gone, you know, one and covered. And usually the bookmakers sit back, eat pistachios, got a big belly. And they go, okay, okay, it's going to even out. There's a belief that the public overreacts to things, and the bookmakers are slow to react, and it serves them well. Would you agree, in general, bookmakers are skeptical of major changes? Correct. And if there is a major change, it's going to cause them to be slow to react to that, too. Agreed. So, the trick is, is there something... Maybe of 10 changes that people might think are true, maybe only one are true, but if you can identify that one, because of the other nine, the bookmakers are going to be slow to react. Yes. Okay. And this is an example. And then with the roof, you're saying history tells us even more so that overs, that there's a propensity to scoring in this venue when the roof is open. Yes. So, what's Game game 3's uh, totals? What it's, does it look like? It's, it's at 7.5. So, okay. Game
0: 1 was 7.5. Game 2 was 8. Now, we're back to a 7.5, despite two games flying over their totals.
1: OK. Now, the pitcher, we got the ace going for the Dodgers, right? Yeah. Or... We got
0: Buehler and Morton. So, we got two real fine pitchers. OK.
1: So, what we're saying is, we had almost pitcher by committee for the Dodgers yesterday, and it was 8. Now, it's going down to 7.5. So, it feels like... Well, I guess Game 1 had some good pitchers, too. So, yeah, that was
3: a great matchup yeah. pitching on Game 1.
1: So, in general, it doesn't feel like the market is reacting to the two overs. Correct. And you guys are saying there's history to say these numbers are low. Yes. All right. Well, this is almost, Jonas, like a to-be-continued. Tomorrow, right before the game, we'll see what the odds are and maybe have a pick on it. What did you think as a fan, Jonas, of the Game 2?
2: I think that both team, both team, despite Tampa Bay winning the game, I think both fan bases should feel good about where they're at just from this standpoint. If you're the Dodgers, that vaunted bullpen that was given all sorts of trouble to all sorts of teams throughout the course of the year, the Dodgers actually were able to, to knock them around a little bit. So that's got to give you some hope that the later the series goes, the more you're going to see those guys, the better you're going to feel about your chances. And if you're Tampa Bay, your bats finally woke up, you finally had some offensive production and they got some guys who had been a little bit cold as of late going so i think it's going to add to the excitement and game three is going to be a lot of fun to
1: watch now i'm not the type that understands baseball today uh, to the point of like judging bullpens and stuff would you say that the bullpen guys that they used the dodgers yesterday was that the best of them or did it feel like they were holding back some people
2: uh, the only guy the Dodgers I think held back was Urias, and I and that's because they're going to make him. I believe it's the game four starter. He's going to be starting game four. But he was the guy that came in in game seven against the Braves as sort of the shut down the rest of the game guy for L.A. We haven't seen uh, Kenley Jansen didn't pitch last night. Uh, who knows what his status is and whether or not Dave Roberts is going to continue to trust him. He did pitch well the past couple outings against Atlanta, but it felt like Tampa Bay rolled some of their best guys out there, and the Dodgers had some success. So,
1: All right. So to wrap for me, I always like to look at the series odds, look at the percentages. Fez, you can give me the actual lay prices here in a second. So before the series, the odds were about 66% the Dodgers would win. After a split, the odds are 65%. So literally... And it's that's kind of unusual because usually if you're the underdog and you win one of two, your odds improve a little bit. Yes. Now some of that has to do with the home field, and there is, you know, where typically that split would have happened in the better team's mm-hmm. ballpark. Does that feel right to you, Fez? because I guess it's also who's pitching, right? Because if you use up your two best pitchers and the other team didn't, but they're pretty much saying we're pretty much where we started. The first two were warm-ups. And now we've got a best of five at the same odds as the best of seven.
0: Yes. And here's what's going on. The Dodgers made the decision not to start Walker Buehler in Game 2. So, they they went ahead and pitched a reliever. And the Dodgers didn't put their best foot forward in Game 2, whereas Tampa pitched two of their best pitchers, Games 1 and 2.
1: But Tampa has more good pitchers, it sounds like.
0: <laughs> yes. you know One thing that's interesting, too, is these two teams haven't played all year long. So, the The pitchers usually have an advantage when the batters haven't seen them. So as the series progresses, we might see more hitting also.
1: And it's still going over, even with that advantage of the lack of familiarity of the hitters. And what is the lay price right now? Dodgers in the series minus 200. Risk 200 to win 100. Okay, that's Straight Out of Vegas' report in the World Series. Straight
0: Out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: So, RJ, because of the Raiders having multiple players, including four starting offensive linemen on the reserve COVID-19 list, there had to be a change made to Sunday night football. Originally, it was Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. Right now, though, it has been switched to Seattle at Arizona. And on pregame.com, the Seahawks are a three-point favorite.
1: So here's the question. That sounds like we're reading the back of the USA Today. It's like, who cares, RJ? Who cares, Joan? It's just because you have those beautiful tones in your voice. That doesn't mean we want to <laughs> listen to anything you say. Well, we got a theory here. We think this changes the handicap. So as Jonas said, Seattle is about a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Arizona. Maddie Holt, you believe this affects the game itself.
3: Yeah, because the amount of parlay. so Sunday night and Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night, but especially Thursday night and Sunday night, tend to be the big parlay builders early in the week at this point. And what you'll see is a lot of parlays will end Sunday night with— Uh, the Sunday night game. And you say, well, why isn't Monday night initially more popular than Sunday night? It's because people that don't necessarily play in the regulated sports betting marketplace yet, most of their weeks with their bookie are Monday through Sunday. It's not. So Sunday is the end of your week. Thus, these Sunday night parlay accumulators are really strong. And Seattle, a very public team, one of the most popular quarterbacks in the NFL with Russell Wilson, combined now with the fact that they're undefeated and a high-scoring team, and there's going to be a lot of Carleys, including the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Okay, so for the, for the um, innocent out there, and remember, sports bettors listen for the money, but sports fans, to know more than their buddies, about half our audience doesn't even bet. And we love that, because we think there's so much more that you can learn from the betting odds and the handicappers, because they get the, it's cold cash over hot takes. When we're wrong, we lose money. You might say, well, settle up, what does that mean? And Jonas may be aware of this. I'm not sure. Is if you're betting with a bookie, oftentimes it will be you'll have a settle-up figure. It might be a thousand bucks, two thousand, whatever is a reasonable amount based on the amount you're betting. And then if you win three hundred or lose three hundred, you don't even bother to meet the guy. And then you reach the settle-up figure. Now, what ends up happening is, and that's either you make go get the money or you go pay the money. What people will do is. Let's say their settle up is 1,000, either way. They're down 1,400. <laughs> Guess what their bet is on, on the last game before? Oh, about $450 because they don't want to pay. And if they're up somehow 400, they want to bet 600 to reach the settle up. So that is something not to do, <laughs> but it's something most bettors do. And so Maddie's saying because some, now I always, I mean, hypothetically, statute of limitations in which I would have set ups. It was always Tuesday. That's interesting. What percentage, Fred? again, we know that you're a waste management consultant, but what percentage would you say that, in your experience, have been set ups on Monday versus Tuesday?
0: Seventy percent Tuesday, thirty percent
1: Monday. Yeah, but still, there's a lot of those Sunday ones, or, or I'm sorry Monday ones, which means the Sunday night's the last game. but also it's a huge game. Yeah, it's Sunday night. you know, sixty minutes is over. you're watching the game <laughs> and And to me, It means more public money. And because of that public money, a team like Seattle, the chance of them going up to four, let's say, increases because the people betting them, Mm. the, the universe of bettors change and are more public. I have a real strong lean on Arizona right now. Might be one of my picks tomorrow. I also think this. Going to Sunday night feels like a graduation of sorts. If you're Arizona, you're like, we've been, we've been selected, we've been tapped. It's got to increase the excitement. As much as they're going to be up anyway for Seattle, Seattle, this is like another thing, right? It's like if um, Gottlieb, they say, hey, you want to come on and talk some college basketball? He's going to be like, yeah, okay, no big deal. He might shave, he might not. Fez, you say, hey, they want to bring you on Fox and talk college basketball. He'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, I better learn something about college (laughs) basketball. But then additionally, you would be shaving. You would be thinking about moisturizing your face. Arizona is moisturizing their face in this analogy excited about this game i think it helps them what do you guys think
0: yeah i agree with you and super excited off of the dallas win and now they can go ahead and parlay this into a prime time perhaps victory the one concern about arizona three straight road games and they significant travel in all three they've been to the east coast twice and then to dallas and now they have to play seattle so i think this is gonna i'm confused they're at home Right, they, they just had three straight on the road. So. Yeah,
1: but wouldn't the third one on the road be the one they suffer more than when they come home and rest?
0: Well, the question is when they finally come home after that long road trip of road trip, oh, road know, trip, oh, road hold trip. Hold on, hold
1: on. You're not going to talk about like, having to go get like, the kid cough syrup, <laughs> are you? I mean, I think it are does. Are you really going to do that? I was you got to realize that everyone doesn't have your pathetic life. I mean, where they're doing errands on the way home. I mean, honestly, you think these NFL players are, are, are going and taking out the garbage? Hey, that garbage has been piling up when you've been making millions on the road.
0: <laughs> they're meeting with their agent. They're doing things that players do.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right out of be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas, weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
1: I'm always skeptical, I'm always apprehensive when a guest brings in his own music, but Maddie Holt said when he does his best bet, he wants this to be his theme. So I'm just gonna play it and, and hope for the best. Wow. Uh-oh. Step into the spotlight. Boy. Boy, you got a grandiose view yourself, don't you, man? Yeah. Best bet, UFC.
3: I'm going to go with the main event, UFC 254, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje under four and a half rounds. Justin Gaethje, four-fight win streak all by knockout. In fact, his last nine wins are all by knockout. He has never gone to the judges' scorecards ever in the UFC. Both He got finished in both of his losses. He hasn't gone to the judges' scorecards since 2014 against Melvin Guillard when he was fighting uh, back in World Series of Fighting, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Menoff here, uh, tra- fighting for the first time since the passing of his father. His father not only is trainer, but really the trainer for that whole gym. So I think that could leave him vulnerable in the stand-up, somewhere where he was always going to be vulnerable anyway. This, this is a tale of two finishes. If Khabib gets this fight to the ground, Justin Gaethje will not be able to handle him and will likely get submitted. But if Justin Gaethje can... F- keep this fight standing his record shows he's likely to get a knockout on the feet i'm going under four and a half rounds
1: okay so you gotta lay low extra there what 190 sounds fair
3: yeah i think i laid 175 but it's been trending that direction
1: okay now remember now even though you're a guest we're never allowed... i thought
3: it was like right around now still 175
1: uh, it could, it's probably in that range we always try to be extra generous we don't want people not getting the number that sure. they want so jonas what's your take on this
2: yeah, and one of the thing I I agree with Maddie, and one of the things to keep an eye out for Justin Gaethje is known for leg kicks, in particular calf kicks, which are really debilitating. Especially if you're a wrestler who's trying to explode and get the fight on the ground, the longer it stays up, I think, advantage Justin Gaethje. And the only reason that his last fight out wasn't stopped sooner is because there's so much respect for Tony Ferguson. But if you actually watch that fight throughout. Gaethje butchered him on the stand up and Gaethje's also got a wrestling background so if he is able to get to the legs of Khabib, I do expect him to be able to stuff at least a couple of takedowns if that's the direction the fights go and so I think that plays into Gaethje's
1: hands. Wow Maddie, I mean he can go weeks and not talk UFC and boom boom boom, great one two punch Matty hold under four and a half rounds minus 180 we'll call it Straight out of Vegas!